Ladies and gentlemen, your very own Michigan State Spartans. Goal scored by Fatai Alashe, Ryan Keener, and the cast. Let's hear it for your MSU Spartans, Rachel Van Poplen. Goal scored by Mary Catherine Fiebernitz. Few national team players here on the Seattle Sounders, Clint Dempsey, Eddie Johnson. Welcome to this edition of MSU Impact Sports' Corner Kick. Um, I'm Fino, uh, along with Jonathan Yales, Brooks, uh, and we have a special guest. Introduced our special guest today. Um, he did work at U.S. Soccer for the summer, um, which is pretty impressive. So I'll have his insight on everything on the U.S. Soccer draw we'll do later. Um, we're doing a little MSU Soccer and their push. And of course, we got to talk about MLS expansion. A lot to talk about there. Don Garber, it is MLS Cup week. Don Garber with the State of the League address, which he mentioned a lot of potential expansion cities and sites that I personally think about. We'll delve into those things later. First, it was a very busy week for MSU soccer. Elite Eight, incredible. They play Notre Dame. We were fortunate enough to have Coach Rensing on the pack, and he was talking about the opportunity for what this team has and what they're doing, and it's been nothing but positive so far. What this team has done, they've superseded expectations, which is beyond belief. They've been scoring goals somewhat, but they're playing great defense. I think that's their MO, is great defensive play, Yales. Yeah, I think it's been about defense all year. Yeah. Um, it's They have a quality, um, well-built, strong team that can put in anyone, anytime. They've been replacing guys with injuries all year, and it's that defense that's won all these games. Low-scoring games, for the most part, um, and they went on the defense. Yeah, I mean, I think low-scoring has been the MO for Michigan State. And you look at Michigan State is now they face off in South Bend, like Brooks said, against a Notre Dame team that's got a juggernaut of an offense, I think. Four goals in their first game, four goals in their second game, eight goals for, two goals against. I mean, here's a U.S. You know, US here's an MSU men's soccer club, really, that hasn't scored as many goals. Can they get into a shootout with a Notre Dame? I don't think they can afford to be in that position. But when I asked the coach Rensing, what is your game plan? He told me, he goes, you know what, I think we have to play our game. That's defense, that's low scoring, and that's not allowing anything in the back of the net. He attributes that to Zach Bennett's play. He's been absolutely outstanding in net. And he said he leads so far, and he, he's right. He does lead all goalies GAA of, in the active field right now. That's pretty impressive, Brooks. You can't even deny what this team has done. I mean, it's it's been pretty good, you know, so far. Um, but like you said, I mean, they they've scored, you know, eight goals in the last two tournament games, you know, combined in you know last two tournament games. But you you knock that out. You don't you don't like Rensing tells us all the time. You don't care about what the team's done the two yeah. games before. It's about what happens this game. You know, in the when they played Notre Dame during the regular season, two goals like within a five minute span. The guys know that they let up they let off the pedal for a little bit. You know, but all in all, that was actually a really competitive game. You know, Zach Bennett told us the stats don't show it, the scoreline doesn't show it, but it actually was a very competitive game. Both teams had a lot of chances. And, you know, and going into that, the players know that this Saturday, and so does Notre Dame. You know, Harrison Ship, who's a great player and one of the leading scorers, you know, still left, you know, you know in the NCAA tournament in the nation, you know, he knows that he's got to go against a great MSU defense and that he's got to go up against a great goalie in Zach Bennett and a great midfield as well. So, you know, it's not going to be an easy game for either or team. I agree. I, you look at a sophomore, Bennett, Zach Bennett is a sophomore. He's got that, that goals against a 6 4 2. 
at six four, you know, six four four or whatever it is. It's incredible. 119 saves, 13 shutouts. He's really had a breakout sophomore campaign. And I think that's something that Coach Rensing did mention is what he's done in really what has he's done for this team. He's made the big save. We look at last week, Montague coming in, in the game, plays it. They control their shape very well and they score. And I think that's what you look at is here's a team that comes in and they score one nothing. So it's pretty impressive you look at this MSU soccer club that they're coming in, they're winning games, but by their mentality. They're not going to outscore you, but they'll play down in that defense, that bucker down defense. I mean, this Notre Dame team is tough. I think you, they will be heavily tested. I don't know what the weather is. Brooks, you said you're going down to South Bend. It's supposed to be cold. Cold. And Zach's going as well, too. Oh, so Zach's going as well. Mm-hmm. So you guys are both going together, I assume? We'll Somewhere. Be we'll be there. You guys will be there. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will be there. So that brings in Zach, our guest. Like I said, they, they play this Notre Dame team. So what are things, and we asked Coach Rensing, what are things to look for? I'm curious to know what you guys think. What are you guys looking for in this game against Notre Dame? Uh, well, for me, I, I mean, I guess I'm looking for them to play, you know, play well, knock the ball around pretty well. Uh, you know, like the Notre Dame is very strong defensively. Uh, you know, like, I, like I've said time and time again, you know, this isn't a team that's going to score two, three goals on, you know, for you. Uh, it's going to be a no one now game. Um, you know, maybe two. But, you know, they're going to move the ball around. They're gonna, like, Kreutz is going to try to get in behind defenders. Uh, Monty is going to hold the ball well up top. And, you know, on set pieces and corners, that's where they have to really cap- capitalize because they have such height with Cope Keener, who's going to be playing this Saturday, and, you know, with Montague back. So uh, I think that's where they have to really excel as offset pieces and getting those chances near and around goal. What do you think, Yales? I think the same thing. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, it's going to come down to just like it did in the last game they played. It's going to come down to two or three minutes where one team makes a mistake, and that's going to be the game winner. If it's one goal or two goals like the last game, it was three minutes we took off, and they put in two, and we were out of the game. Um, I think that's what they're feeling. That's what Coach Rensing's feeling is it's that one mistake. Um, If we're going to be on the wrong side of that, it's going to be season over. So um, they they don't think we we have to play a perfect game, but – we have to play a very, very good game and hope for a little bit of luck against Notre Dame. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, I, continuing it all, it's going to be, like, for Michigan State to win, it has to be low scoring. There's going to be, has to be a lot of play in the in the midfield, keeping Harrison Ship away from the ball as much as possible. Jay Chapman, Fatale, uh, Alashe, you know, they're, they're the keys. They're, they're the key pieces. Talking to Kevin Cope and Chapman, they said, you know, they, they, they want to push the ball and bomb the ball forward, but really it's going to be more of a possession game, and that, that one ugly goal is going to, be, going to be the difference. And that's for Michigan State. If Notre Dame can get, get going, they're going to be rolling, but it's all going to rely on Chapman, Alashe, and Cope. I agree. I think, you know, you're going to have the key players. You know, Brooks mentions Montague. You know, Zach's mentioning Cope. And I think the key thing is mentioning and realizing possession is important and keeping the shape, understanding what your game is. I asked the same question to Coach Rensing, and I said, Coach, here's a team that you lost 2 nothing to at DeMartin Stadium. Obviously, you're going to South Bend now. Here's a team that you lost to. You know, what is the difference? The first thing he told me, he goes, you know what, Fino, I, this is a different team we are right now. We're hot, we're healthier, and we're better, and we're controlling our game more than they are. So he did mention that we have our physique, we have our game that we're going to play. But he said this is a totally different game than the one played on November 5th. He said even though it was less than a month ago, actually about a month ago, 
Okay, he said that the game and the style and where the teams have been since then have been totally different. And he says, if I don't think, if you know, he mainly told me, he goes, you know what, you know, if we don't play our game, I, you know, I don't, I don't expect us to compete. But if we play our game, don't allow a lot of goals, it's hard to think we won't win this game, and the cards won't fall in our favor. And that's something to know is Coach Rensing is very optimistic about what this team can accomplish. Now, I think already this team is overachieved, if you want my honest opinion. They're, they have overachieved. First time, a Final Four, or Final Four, Elite Eight, so hopefully Final Four, Elite Eight since 1968. Now they're looking to book their ticket to Philadelphia. And if they can do that, one team stands in the way. No one thought they could beat Georgetown, they beat them one nothing. No one thought they could beat Louisville, one nothing, double overtime. The thing is, it's one nothing every game, and they don't have a problem. They allow the first goal. You said it was going to be a dirty goal, whatever it is. Just get one in the back of the net, messy. But as long as they get one in, I think they can win this game. I think it's very realistic that Michigan State soccer can win this game and go to a Final Four for, for, for the first time since God knows when. Well, yeah. Zach, when you say dirty goal, what do you, what do you define like a cheap goal? Are we talking about or just like something sloppy? I assume yeah, like 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 the goal, like Montague's goal against Georgetown. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily the prettiest, like you know, Luis Suarez from forty yards out. That wasn't one of those. It was it was kind of gritty in the box, left foot kind of swerved around. You know, it something like that. Fatai against uh, Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament. Something, yeah, something dirty and ugly like that. Yeah, I mean, ugly as in good or ugly as in bad. As long as it gets in the back as of the net. As long as it gets, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. See, so, you, know, you know what I'm saying? As long as it gets, nothing like a hand of God goal. We're not saying something super dirty. But you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, really, when we talk about a dirty goal, just get it in the back of the net. I think that's the – MSU, they haven't looked pretty at times, but they're getting the results. That's the thing. It's like, you know, like, that, like a Montague goal in the box, left-footed, gets in the back. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what they got to do. Nothing like Gareth Bale from, like – 30 yards, pure class, like 100 million euro transfer, whatever it was. <laughs> but, like, that's the thing is it's getting it done and playing the game that Michigan State always plays. That, I, I think that's what they got to do is just play their game, Yales. And it, it's hard to believe they don't win this game. They play it. Let's go for some key factors of the game. Let's get some predictions. Uh, like I said, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, Rensing said yesterday that you said they kind of overachieved this year. He thinks... He saw them getting to this point all year. He back in August, um, he saw them getting to a su- Sweet Sixteen um, and winning that game. And everyone has them losing. Everyone had them losing against Louisville. Everyone had them losing against Georgetown. And they like that. They look at that. They embrace it. Um, they like being the underdog. They're a really hungry team. Um, and I, I think they're going to win the game. I think it's going to be um, a two-one game. I think Michigan State will put two in the net. Two-one. Zach, what do you like? I'm going. I'm going uh, two two nil. Uh, Dos acero. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 going to be a key. The key is going to be keeping ship in the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be mainly on Fatai and uh, Chapman. And you know, I, I think that they're capable of it. They've done it all year. They've kind of neutralized some good players. And another key is going to be Kevin Cope. He doesn't want his senior year to end. No. He's said it many times and he broken ribs whatever knocks he has he's going to will this team to play well yeah so spartan will brooks what do you got uh well i mean the, i think the key for them um like all the guys said you know is in the, in the middle um you know how are you going to contain harrison ship um the guys you know keener bennett he's a great player um when he scored the goal against us over in the season you know he placed that right 
right in the corner. It's gonna be a handful for him through traffic. You know, it was a perfect, you know, perfect placement, and you know that, that's gonna be Chapman and Alashe's job. And everyone's gotta talk in the back, and Bennett's gotta make sure where he is at all times because as a keeper, that's what you have to do. You gotta make sure your defense is in control, and you know you're communicating. So communication is gonna be huge. Uh, I think Kreutz getting in, you know, back and around um, through the defensive line is going to be huge. Um, you know, a lot of the guys, especially Monty, just tell me, you know, Tim's the fastest player on their team, so they got to utilize his potential and his ability, and they have to utilize Montague's height. Uh, like I said, I think, you know, set pieces and corners are going to be huge. Uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of dribbling through guys. You know, these defenses aren't going to allow that where you can dribble through five guys and have a nice shot at the goal and score. So I'm, I'm going one now. Uh, Michigan State, and I'm going that goal. It's not going to be scored early. I think it's going to be scored later in the game, probably okay. late second half. All right, like a 70th minute goal. You're thinking? Yeah, like you know where they score 20, 15 minutes left, and they just they just gotta hold on and you know play solid defensively to hold them off Notre Dame. So one nil Michigan State. All right, you know I kind of I like that prediction. I'm also going to go with the one nil. Um, Michigan State win, and I've picked against them so many times. I really have, and I'm done doing it. But I think a key for the game for MSU is going to be controlling the game as much as you can, and how much, can, or how well can you contain their goal scorers? Their goal scorers are extremely prolific. There's no doubt about it. Coach Rensing knows how prolific these guys are. They can score in space, but it's for me, it's not allowing these guys space in the midfield. All those guys will be tested. Keener, you know that back line. Cope will be tested. But something that Zach mentioned that's so true. Cope does not want a season. He doesn't want it to end. The guy's playing with a broken rib. He's hurt. He's not 100%. Montague's playing hurt. They all are. There's so much grit in this team, and I think that's what wills them on to the Final Four in Philadelphia. I don't know who they're going to play. Hopefully they'll get there and we can talk about it again. But I really think Michigan State controls the game as much as they can. I do think they lose a, they lose a possession because that's the way Notre Dame plays. It'll be close. I do like them to win a game. Dirty goal. Dirty goal. You know, a crappy goal in the box, you know, within the 18, kind of just a cluster, maybe off a set piece. Someone's not marked up, off a corner, it slips in. I like one nothing. I like Notre Dame to lose the game at home. Sorry, sorry Catholics, but I like MSU to win the game. That's our MSU segment, unless anything wants to, you know, Brooks, Yales, Zach, bring up any last parting thoughts before we move forward. And I would say... What when I interviewed Rensing yesterday? Um, yeah, how was the interview? Oh, it was a good interview, and you know, just asking him. You know, he talked about you know all the soccer blogs and websites have him. You know, had them losing to Louisville, losing to Georgetown, and I'm sure they'll probably have them losing to Notre Dame. And like you know, Yale's mentioned earlier, you know, it's just something Rensing's told us. You know, you know, he, he trusts his team and he believes in his team and he knows mm-hmm. his team's better than what you know all the other media says, and. You know, and I asked him, you know, do you use that as like a motivator, or and do you show that to your uh, players? They look it up, or do they just kind of like let it be? And like, you know, he's like, oh, for sure, we show them to, we show that to our players. Our players, you know, look at that and they use that as a motivator. So you know, they're they're motivated and they 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 want it. I, I mean, so they read all they read all those blogs, they read the papers. Yeah. That's interesting to note because I think a lot of teams. And not even with soccer, but if you're playing something and you're the underdog, there's no doubt Michigan State is the underdog. Is A lot of teams don't read that stuff, but some teams do. And that's what's impressive about Michigan State is they're projected to lose every game and they still pull it out. How far they went in the Big Ten tournament was already impressive. Their record was impressive. Their home record was impressive. You know what I'm saying? These are the things with Michigan State where it's just like, look, you've counted us down before. Keep us down because we can pick ourselves back up. I, that, that, that's key for me is understand, and coach understands that Brooks it looks like it 
Well, and also the players do, too. I mean, when I interview a lot of the players as well, uh, the way they respond to certain questions, you know, if I ask them, how did you play during that game? It's never, the first response is never about how that particular person played. It's about how my defense played, my offense played, how we've played as a unit. And that's what this team's really focused on all year is being a unit, being strong the whole year, and, you know, just going in, into games as one and trying to come out as a team and with the W as one. So, yeah. So we got our predictions. Michigan State, Michigan State soccer hopefully can win this game. You know, you're going to South Bend. You guys will be – Yales, are you going or – I'm not going. You're staying here. You're staying here with me. Too much work. Yeah, too much. I got too much work. But they'll be in South Bend. So Brooks and Zach, you know, they'll be reporting. They'll anal- you know, they'll let us know what they see. I know Brooks will look for something like that on um, MSU Impact Sports. You know, impact89fm.org slash sports. It's where to find our sports. And you can find any content for soccer and corner kick. Yales and Brooks are our guys. Look for them. So as we move forward, guys, we've got this MSU expansion talk. We spoke about it last time, but we're speaking about it for real this time. Is MSU expansion. MLS. Oh, I said MSU. I said MSU. Okay, MLS expansion. I'm looking at MSU. Sorry. MLS expansion. My favorite league. Sorry. I'm a huge MLS fan. I like the Red Bulls. I support the Red Bulls. From Jersey. I'm from Jersey. I'm from Jersey. I'm like, Zach's shaking his head. I'm, I already don't like him. Not MSU expansion. MLS expansion. Major League Soccer. I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, Brooke, what do you... First of all, status of the league. I just want to know, and we can tell our listener, the status of MLS in 2013. So for this upcoming season. Just what you th- how, where the league has come from since 1996. That's when the league was founded. You know, U.S. got that World Cup in 94, 96. Now they formed the league to make it happen. MLS expanding now. They're looking to go to 24 teams. We know that we have Orlando City, NYCFC, which I'm not happy about. And then Atlanta, maybe? Florida? David Beckham? Miami? Wow. So there's a lot to talk about. But status of the league, you know, what do you like so far in 2013 MLS? If you're a foreigner, what do you think about this league? Okay, well, first, the, first before uh, I comment yeah. about if I'm a foreigner. But, um, yeah. But... The league has grown, uh, and it's not. And what people, non-soccer fans or just the average soccer fan, may not understand is that this league has grown, and it's not just at the professional level. It's you're working your way down to the collegiate and youth levels, and that's what yeah. U.S. soccer really preaches. Uh, it, it all starts at the youth level: how we train our players, how we you know teach our players, and this the, the development academy has been huge for the MLS and the American player. And it has really helped the game. Um, they're, you know, in the collegiate game as well. And, you know, we have players going over to Europe and some staying, you know, in uh, the United States and playing in the MLS. But that's for starters. That's where the MLS has really grown by expanding that to the youth level and to getting into making sure we train our players and coaches the right way at a young age. As far as, a, as being a, if I'm looking at it as a foreign, a foreigner standpoint of the MLS, it's not my first choice. It's probably not my second or my third or maybe even my fourth. Wow. So, I, you know, it's something, it's kind of at the bottom there. I mean, I would rather go play in the Mexican League before I'd probably want to go play in the MLS, to be honest with you. It's just not competitive yet. It, you know, like I mentioned a lot of times to you guys, it, you know, I don't want old, washed-out players from Europe who are in their late, you know, mid to late 30s. I don't, you know, that, that doesn't excite me. I want young talent that excites me. It's gonna make you know that'll make me a better player if I'm a young guy looking to play somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it, it's there's nothing sexy about it that's gonna attract me to the league. 
you know, if I'm a young, if I'm a young foreign guy looking to play somewhere, you know, if, if I can't make it in England, in England right off the bat, you know, there's nothing sexy about it. They need, they need that sexy player or just something to draw, just to, to catch the eyes of a lot of other people. So that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I, I think you bring a lot of interesting points. But before I go almost insane, um, I'm going to throw it over to Yales, and Yales is going to give what hit the, his thoughts really on MLS, where it's been since the league has been founded, where we are now. Is it a retirement league? Um, what do you think so far? Well, just attendance-wise, back in 2011, MLS averaged like around 18,000 fans, which surpassed NBA and NHL. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, they play less games, but it's still an improvement on what they were before. Yeah. Um, 2013, they're averaging almost 19,000, so they're still growing. Like Brooks said, it's a growing league. They might not be where we want compared to, like, an NFL where they just dominate the country, um, but they started from the bottom. They had to build up from somewhere, and they didn't start off that great. So to rebuild and get back to a, get to a point um, like an NA- NFL or something like that, you really have to take baby steps and do it the right way, and I think that's where we are right now. They're learning how to take those right steps in the right direction, and they're slowly growing. They're not losing any steam, I don't think. Um, teams are worth more money. To join the league, it's a lot more money. Um, back in the beginning, it was only like $30 million to join the league. Now New York City FC had to pay $100 million yeah. to get in. So. People want to be a part of this, and it's becoming more respected and more sought out by owners. Um, so I think it's headed in the right direction. It's got room to grow, and it's got a long way to get to a EPL or a Serie A, but um, for the state of United States soccer, I think it's exactly where it needs to be. I think it's a big accomplishment, and you know, this kind of brings the whole U.S. Soccer Federation thing is where it's gone from. Is You imagine we start from the bottom, now we're here. So... When you really look at U.S. soccer and MLS, they've both been improving under MLS's expansion. MLS has been a fueling point, and Klinsman has said how important MLS has been for national team growth, for youth development. These are these other countries that are developing these academies, a generation Adidas. There's a lot of things available for U.S. players and fans to even just grow around the sport, and I think that all comes with MLS. What MLS has done, Yale's mentioned it, it used to be 25 to $30 million to join the league as a team, an expansion franchise. Now it's $100 million. We know that with Miami that is not the case because Beckham has that clause in his contract for $25 million, I believe it is. $100 million to join the league. And people are paying it. People are paying it and they want to join and be a part of it. 19,000 fans going to games. Average. You look at Cascadia area. Seattle Sounders versus, Tim- versus Portland Timbers. 66000 Easy. For an MLS regular season match. Nothing on the line, no playoffs, an actual match. That's impressive. What Vancouver has done, the Whitecaps, impressive. And they're not even the United States, but they're part of the league. And that's important. You know, we're not only growing United States soccer, you're growing Canadian soccer. And that only improves CONCACAF. How many people tell you CONCACAF is inferior to any other? Well, yeah, CONCACAF is not as experienced as any other region. South America, UEFA, fine, but it's all growing. You're growing it. Brooks says, I'd rather play for the Mexican League. No, I'd rather be here and be safe. But um, but in all seriousness, I think you look at the, what the Mexican League has done, they have a different setup than what MLS has. Two separate seasons, okay? You really look at what MLS has done is one big season together, and the ratings are up. Now, NBC Sports Network is not seeing the ratings that they hope to 
for MLS. For Premier League, it's actually through the roof. But um, you look at what ESPN's ratings are, and they're pretty, they're fairly good. People want to watch the sport. They're going to the, you're going to the games. They're drinking for the games at pubs, their beer gardens, whatever it is. There's no doubt. I think MLS has been extremely successful so far, and I think it's only going to grow. I mean, the con- the continuity, the continuities there with yeah. the fans. My thing, I don't care about that. I care about what I care about as someone that's more than an average fan is the competition we're playing at to get our American players better so that prepares them for the national team and for other things. Uh-huh. That's what I care about. I mean, that's great that you guys want to list all these. Like, that I, I think it's great that all these guys, you know, that Seattle, where the Seattle Sounders play, the Seahawks, you know, the Seahawks play, yeah. you know, they don't have to put a tarp over the top level. Like, they sell that whole entire stadium out. That's impressive. And same with Portland, but what I'm, well, I think well, the big thing that they need that they need to focus on is the talent level. Uh, you know, like you know, fans are important, but you know, talent level is very important as well. I agree. I think you know we'll bring in Zach in here in a second. Yeah, I think the talent level is extremely important. But you know, the reason maybe that's why Zach was just nodding his or you know nodding his head about the Red Bulls. You look at other teams, wealthier teams in this league that can buy more players. Now, if you strip salary cap okay, now this league becomes like the Scottish Premier League, and you have like Rangers and you have Celtic. You have two teams and then everyone else is terrible. Would that improve it? If you rip the salary cap off, you improve talent, but for how many teams? They add this designated player rule, and they even give you benefits for signing a younger DP for a cheaper price. So they have the DP rule. I think it's getting better and better when you look at the quality of you know the players in the field, Zach. What, well, what do, what do, what does... All the European leagues and even NBA and NFL, all the other American leagues, what do they all have in common? It's how long they've been around. So if you if you look at the growth of MLS in almost 20 years mm-hmm. of being around versus the growth of, say, the NBA in that same period, it's out of this world. Yeah. And, you know, so th- there's that, that, that it's still young and it's still growing. About Brooks's point about the, the talent on the field, this MLS expansion is only going to dilute that even more. Um, Steve Nickel on ESPN FC, he had a great point that, you know, you know, the more teams you have, you're going to have more college kids, you're going to have more inexperience, and it's just going to make that product on the field that everybody wants to see. And that I understand Brooks's point. It's just going to make that even, even worse. So, you know, it just... But, again, it's still young. And, it's young. And, I, and I think that if you look at... The span of the 20 years that MLS has been around versus any other league in the world, they're on the right track. They are on the right track, and they haven't even been around for 20, officially 20 years. It's been like 17 years, I think it was. Yeah, 96, I can't do math, that's why I'm a journalism major. But what I'm saying is, yeah, you look at NBA's growth in that 20-year period, 17, whatever it is, versus MLS's. MLS's expansion and growth versus an NBA or an NHL or an NFL is off the charts. It beats any one of those leagues. Yes, you have to dilute the talent, but the only way to improve your league is to take a risk. And I think this is a calculated risk. You bring in more soccer markets that you can essentially improve popularity. So I think MLS is willing to dilute a little bit talent-wise to expand the growth of the brand and soccer. I think that's what US, the U.S. Soccer Federation has done, is they've given MLS this platform, and they've kind of run with it, because now we're seeing more MLSers, or more national teamers, staying in MLS. Was Dempsey's move right to go to Seattle? People would argue that. But you look at Graham Zussi, he's staying put in sporting. So now you get these MLS guys that spend time in MLS to stay in MLS. 
And I think there's a lot of guys that are going to willing to come back. Yes, there are people abroad, you know, Jeff Cameron, center back Stoke, Josie finally scored for Sunderland, so that deserves some champagne. Then there's other teams that have really taken this platform, like Landon Donovan, that MLS offers, could have went anywhere, received offers from everywhere. We know that he got an offer from AC Milan. There was a, p- a lot of people interested, said, yeah, but he stays in MLS. And he said he believes in what MLS is doing. Now, it's really good for soccer that we see Clint back. But do you guys think, and I asked this for our next like kind of centerpiece here, do you think it's right for U.S. soccer players to just play in MLS? Or do you think they should expand their talent levels and to go to other leagues and to say, you know what, this is how I can improve as a player versus improving the brand of soccer in the United States? Well, I mean, for me, I think... This is going back to like development with the MLS and you know what the U.S. national team is trying to do on a national level for the United States. For me, the MLS should be like a nice starter league. You know, I feel like that's where they can really, you know, they can really do some magic. You know, nice league for some kids to come in and play. But like I said before, their town has to improve and everything else like that. But you know, for me, for the national team standards, I definitely believe that they should go play against better talent to prepare themselves for the World Cup that's coming up. So, you know, it's something that it's a, it's a choice, it's an option for, for guys now. Um, you know, like Dempsey wants to go on loan. Don was talking about going on loan again to um, some B, uh, BPL team. But, you know, for me, if I was a national team player, player pl- I want to play against the best talent I can so it, can prepare, so it can prepare me for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned something I kind of want to follow up on you with, is Dempsey's looking to go on loan, Donovan's looking to go on loan, although Bruce Serena has said no one's going on loan, as in talking about Landon. Now, if you're a national team player, like a Landon, like a Clint, like even a Graham, Zussi, do you want your players to train in camp, January, February camps? Or would you rather them go abroad to different leagues that are more experienced, well-developed, like an EPL? Would, La- would you like Landon going playing at Everton, per se, as training with the team? If he's going to get some playing time, I- I'm fine when Donovan went over and he p- just came off the bench. And I, you know, as long as he's training with those high-quality players every day, you know, and getting, you know, 30, 40 minutes off the bench in the second half, I'm fine with that. He doesn't have to start. But, you know, that, like I said, I think they should go on loan and get some training time with some good quality players. I think, yeah, I think so. And then Land- the thing with Landon is he didn't just go there just to go there. He went there and he made an impact. He scored. He was in on balls, in on set pieces. He made a lot of plays. So that's interesting now to really say is, look, here are U.S. guys that can make an impact in a great league in the EPL. Yales, what do you think? Do you think what soccer, you know, do you want your U.S. soccer guys, players, playing in the MLS? Or would you want them challenging expanding their horizons at the risk of saying, hey, we can dilute talent in our league and just maybe not improve the quality of it? At this point in time, with the state of the league, I think it's in the best interest of them to go abroad. Yeah. Um, now, my personal opinion, of course, I would like them to stay. And I think in the long run, that's the plan and that's everyone's hope is to have them leading kind of their own personal MLS team and they're across the league and they're throughout um, all the different cities and I think that's what it's going to be in 10-15 years maybe Um, you'll see the best American soccer players here and when our talent gets better only the best of the best will leave like Cristiano Ronaldo not playing in Portugal or Messi not playing in Argentina they go to the better leagues but uh, the majority of the talent will still stay in the country Yeah, Zach what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I think it's if you can if you can make a squad over over in Europe or in a better, more established league, do it. I'd rather see Clint Dempsey riding the bench for Tottenham than starting every game for Seattle. Mm-hmm. Right at this point, because I personally has, think he should have stayed at Fulham, but that's yeah. Well, you either, know, either way, either you way, know. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think even even in practice, I think that 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 impact in playing against Champions League or English Premier League level is better than than MLS at this point, you know. There's always going to be people like Landon Donovan who has stayed here and have been that, you know, catalyst that has spearheaded the American effort to to advance MLS. But, you know, I think if you can go overseas, go overseas. And Jurgen Klinsmann has said that time and time again. Yeah, yeah. So. He understands the quality of MLS is not where it needs to be. And I think, you know, Yale's mentioned it. He goes, it won't be in their best. It won't be in the best interest of the league, but it'll be in best interest of themselves as the player. I think that's important too: is understanding what the what the player is and how they can perform and, and better themselves. I, I agree. I, I I would rather go and listen. I love the league. I'm a big supporter of MLS, but I would and you know I would rather see our players, United States players, play in an EPL, play uh, in Roma, like my, Michael Bradley does, and play in these other leagues that. They can further themselves in their career. So then when we get drawn into a group of death like this, it won't be so extravagant. It won't be so out of this world that, hey, we, I know it was a B, league, B team, but hey, we played Germany and beat them. You know, we played Bosnia and beat them. When you see teams like that, you go abroad to these countries in Europe and you can beat them and stand your own. I think that's the difference between where MLS is, where the U.S. Soccer Federation is, and where the players are. And I think for 17 years to know where you are, from that point to this point, I think it's incredible growth. It's incredible growth, and it's very exciting to be part of the league. And that's why it's exciting when you see a team like Orlando City. Because their fans, yeah, Brooks, the fans are excited. And I think it's good money. Because you know you have to make money in the league. It's, it's about being profitable. MLS is now being profitable. They're not losing money. Teams are now getting these kit sponsors that are incredible. Millions of dollars invested into MLS by companies and by the fans. Because they realize what the product is and they're buying into it. I'm personally buying into it. You're looking total teams that are and companies that are buying teams completely and naming them after energy drinks. The whole point is that you look at it and say, look, people are investing in the league. People want to be in the league. Orlando City wants to pay this money. Look, Man City wants to get involved with MLS, even though that's a disaster. But these are teams that want to get involved, and I think it's so important for the league. Other teams of other sports want to get involved. The Yankees are involved. The Mets wanted to get involved. Those are just two quick teams that wanted to get involved in MLS. The Yankees are already involved. So when you look at that and say, look, where the league has been and where it is now is so impressive to be a fan. It is so impressive to be a U.S. soccer fan. And that's why it's exciting. You see guys like David Beckham and LeBron to try to get involved with MLS. It's, they're not real, you know, it's a World Cup year, so... I guess everyone's a fan, but you know what I'm saying? People want to get involved in the league. And I think that's important is understanding that people want to get involved in this league and it's growing and growth is exponential. And it's humbling to see that growth, this growth is exponential in this game. Yeah, I think it's, it's growing. And speaking about those um, expansion teams, yeah, I think, yes, it might dilute the talent, but I think it's important to spread the league across the country um, and get more eyes on the sport because you can't ha- even if you have a great league but no one cares about it 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 won't work no one wants to watch it yeah um or only the diehards of the league will want to watch it so you still need to build up that um 
kind of the mentality of the fans that this is a great league. You can have your diehard um, fandom with your city um, or near city, whatever it is. But uh, you really have to build and market this league through expansion before you get to the point where you can start bringing in the real top players and the younger top players. Um, it's growing, dude. It's just Brooks is growing. Well, you know, it's growing. But the thing is, like, okay, I love it that the American fans are so supportive of their of their teams. But like what we talked about earlier, it's still in the young stages. And you know, like with them, like taking all these fun chants they do, like in the EPL games, you know, changing words with the songs and whatnot. That's great. But it's it's to me, it's still a funny joke because there's really besides Portland. And then uh, Portland and Seattle, I really don't see two other big rivalries, to be honest with you, like where the two great teams clashed against each other. You know, and it, it, it just doesn't like, like I'm happy the fans, the American fans love their teams. Don't get me wrong. But the excitement just doesn't seem like it's proper or necessary just because it's such a young league, you know, and everyone's making a big deal. Oh, my gosh, we're playing this and that, you know. You know, you guys don't understand. You know, yeah, understand. I think I I do think there's some rivalries in MLS though. For instance, as a Red Bull supporter, I don't like LA at all. I don't like LA, but that's just one. That's just a, a big market rivalry that was fused. DC United is something with more historic. You know, something more historic. A team that has been in the league every. You know, since the growth. I mean, we're an original team. They're an original team. You know, '96. They've won so many trophies. We just won our first this year. So now, you know, that's a rivalry between the fans, and I've seen it in the supporter section. There's some passion. Is it large and very noticed on a big stage like Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver and that Cascadia Cup? No, but I think there are some rivalries, and you're adding them. And then you add Orlando City that we have here in 2015. Now you add hopefully Miami. That's a rivalry that can maybe get you know forced works and just kind of throw it on the fans for really just really understand what the game means to the Portland fans, to the Seattle fans, and just that mix of just those fans clashing is just great for the league, Brooks. And it's that's rivalries and that's what fuels sports. I mean it is, but just just ask John and Zach, like do you yeah. get do you get the same moxie from that? Like like if you watch a BPL game, you know, you're watching two teams in London that have played well obviously it's been around BPLs they've been around for such a long time. But do you see that same moxie from the fans of the BPL that you do in the American fans? I do. Yeah. I I, 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 I I do. And I when I was in and it's at all levels, not just, you know, at Cascadia Cup or, you know, US le- Mexico or US Mexico that kind of thing. But like when when I was in Houston for a week with the US Soccer Development Academy, uh, that was the finals week. It was like the end end tournament. And there was there was a match between uh, Houston Dynamo Academy and another Texas like academy. It's like an academy of Manchester United actually. And that we had to move it to a stadium because so many fans for an academy game came out. And that rivalry of a Houston team versus a Dallas team was through the roof. And it was an academy that no one's, it's not on TV. There was, but there was thousands of people there. And it, so I, yes, I, I, th- I do feel the same moxie here as it would be in England. Yeah, I, I agree with Zach. Um, I see it. Um, and I don't really think it's a bad thing that, there's fans and maybe the league's not that good um i don't see what's wrong with having great passionate fans at any league no one's gonna go against that um just because the 
talent level is not to the par of a higher league doesn't mean you can't be passionate about it. It's still your players. Mm-hmm. It's still great players compared to what you can play on a soccer field or whatever. Yeah. So you still respect them. Um, and it's your town. It's your team. And MLS needs that. You can't have a league without fans. If you just go get all the great players and no fans care about the sport of soccer, then you're not going to have a league. It's important to have that fan mentality. And that's something that MLS hadn't had before. And now they're getting that. They're getting these ridiculous attendance numbers and they're getting um, these fan groups and supporter groups who travel and follow the teams across the country. And that's that's similar to what the EPL has. So that kind of tells you that's the direction we're going is we're going towards a bigger league towards it because we have followers people are respecting it people want to follow this league people love these teams people love these teams and i I, i'm going to concur with you know everyone here brooks i think you see on all levels i see it in an msu soccer game i see it here on a u.s soccer federation game whether it's u17s or whatever it was i see in the women's world cup i see it in a women's game i see it in you know mls regardless i think you see it but you have to start somewhere you mentioned the EPL. That league has been around for 100 years, and they have four tiers of football. Here's an MLS, and there's about 20 teams in London amongst all tiers. Here's a team in MLS, or here's a league in MLS. Here are special teams, academy clubs, whatever it needs to be. Is yeah, you have the passion, but here's Zach stores where he mentions about this academy thing. I don't know that unless he brings that up. I have no idea. That's not on TV. That's not publicized very widely and maybe locally, but not nationally. For me, in our area here in Michigan, or even back home in New Jersey, I don't have that. You don't know if that goes on. But the point is that the competition is here and the league is competitive. I think it's competitive because everyone's in the same playing field. And more importantly, U.S. soccer is competitive. You see it with Mexico, USA. 9,000 supporters, American Outlaws, for a 24,000-seat stadium in Columbus. Jammed pack, a fortress. Columbus has been a fortress against Mexico. It's just I love saying that. But the thing is, is, there's so much passion in the game. And there's rivalries that fuel that passion and that fuel the competitiveness. And that's what MLS is bringing. That's why MLS is on the rise. And there's no joke that that's why U.S. soccer is 13 in those garbage Coca-Cola rankings. Because they're garbage. But that's why they're 13. Is U.S. soccer has been at all-time high. And that's why Clinton makes $3.5 million a year. Because he's doing that. And believe it or not, Sunil Galati got this right. Hiring this guy to develop the whole brand. He didn't. You don't hire someone just to manage the national team. You manage the brand. You manage the development. And that's what he's doing. And you can see it. And it's so evident on what he's doing. It makes you good. It makes you feel great to be a soccer fan. Because we're soccer fans. We're not, I watch World Cup. We're not like that. We watch the game of soccer. And you can see it. And this game is so much different than it was when Bruce Arena was our national coach. When Bob Bradley was our national coach. When whoever need be, you can see that there is an obvious difference with this team, with this league, and with this federation is very, very good to be a part of and to be a citizen of because soccer, the world sport, is growing and it's finally arrived in America. It really has. So that pretty much will probably wrap up our MLS talk. Um, You know, for Yale's Zach and Brooks, we're going to come back with our next podcast, which is talking about 
this World Cup draw. So, look for our next podcast. We're going to talk about a little World Cup draw and is the U.S. in the group of death? We'll debate all on our next podcast here at MSU Impact Sports Studios.